to you by the Parthenon Podcast Group. Find your favorite music podcasts only on Parthenon. This week, 56 shows discussing how Ronnie Romero has replaced Jolyn Turner and yet another band. Or find your favorite new podcast. How about the Tom from Chicago and Uncle Ted show, where Tom and Ted talk about their friendship, cooking, knitting, tiddlywinks, and the soft white underbelly of guitar straps. Only here on Parthenon Podcasts. Welcome to episode 304 of the Signals from Mars podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, we welcome back one of my patrons, Ed Ferguson. It is Ed and I talking plenty of things, music, talking guitar, talking music, uh, talking about his background and the whole satanic panic thing going on. Check it out right here. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, so I welcome Ed back to the show this week, and what I do is I let the patrons know, hey, this is the link for Friday's first hour of the show. Anyone interested in coming aboard, click on this link, and sometimes I know who's going to be joining us. Sometimes I have no idea whatsoever. So it's cool that Ed was there because originally my plan was to have or to play out the Michael Wilton interview. And that didn't happen because the video did not work. So we tried and we tried and I had already had to switch up the schedule with Michael once. So I said, Hey, give me a phone call. If you can, can we do that? And we made it work out. So hope you guys enjoyed that interview. That was uh, episode 302. No, 303, excuse me. This is 304. And uh, yeah, so this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about meeting Dr. Poison, Brad Dahl, uh, some guitar talk with Ed. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Christian or his, his Christian rock and uh, his Christian roots uh, growing up in the 80s in the middle of the whole satanic panic thing and what he had to do to navigate the waters to ensure that he could continue to listen to his favorite hard rock and metal bands. Uh, we also talk about the loss of danger in hard rock and metal. You know, as, as we were kids, you'd see certain images or certain people. And, you know, like Ozzy or Motley Crue or, or even Kiss or you'd see Iron Maiden album covers. Shit your parents didn't want you to see, you know? <laughs> so... Is one of those things where, um, and now that shifted to, I guess, uh, hip hop and rap artists. You know, I guess those would be considered the, the dangerous acts nowadays. I don't think BTS is. We also discuss new releases. We talk about the cost of vinyl, uh, some albums that have been remixed, whether we like them or not and hard rock and metal related books. So it's a fun episode, fun chat. Again, I just love talking to people 
about music, what they really enjoy. And uh, yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoy this roughly hour chat with Ed. Believe me, at least for me, it went by fast. So anyway, quick shout out to my patrons. Want to say hello to Stephen Saylor, Stephen Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, Mike Jones, Brad Dahl, Gabe Ruiz, Chris Vaglio, Jose Ruiz, Metal Dan, Johan Edistrom, Ed Ferguson, Anthony Mackey, Gene Eugene DX, Anthony Espin, and Chris, uh, <laughs> Chris Inzak of Despo Geek. Sorry, for some reason, as I'm saying that, I'm imagining them saying the Mooger Fooger on their show. So hopefully that isn't like the, the de facto thing for people to switch over. Anyway, thanks for joining me for today's episode. You could be listening to a million other things, but you guys are right here listening to the Signals from Mars podcast. For that, I thank you. Just remember, the live stream is every Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, That's 10 p.m. in the UK, 11 p.m. Central European time zone. And join us. Listen to the while well, you're listening to this show. This is something you enjoy. You could be part of this show on a weekly basis or almost a weekly basis anyway. Or you could join us in the chat, send your comments in. We'll read them on the air. And uh, remember, we've got Trivia Tuesday on Twitch. That is uh, almost the same difference as 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And uh, I think I messed up before. The the live show is 5, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Trivia Tuesday is 6 p.m. and uh, 3 p.m. Pacific for now. Let's see, because I switched it up thinking that more people would join, join up and play, and they haven't been doing that. So I may just switch it back to make it easier for myself. We'll see. Anyway, thanks again for listening, and here we go with the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the October 21st edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. Hope everyone is doing great. I am joined by Mr. Ed Ferguson. Ed, how are you today? Doing good, sir. How are you? Doing well also. We had a uh, very interesting event today. We yeah, had what was that? Meeting up with uh, uh, Mr. Brad here in... Uh, here in Spain, so um, I, I hope to uh, hear his side of things maybe on next week's show when he's back in Utah. But it was a yeah, lot we do of, too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to meet up with him and and his wife. And um, it's funny because they're going to be in three other different ports here in Spain in the north. And my wife says to me about an hour ago, "You know, I want to meet Brad too." And I say to her, you realize that if we go out, we're taking the kids and my mother's heading back to the States the next day. I'm like, as much as I'd love to do it, I'm like, probably not a good idea. So, Yeah, uh, it's good that you all did that. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was cool. It was cool to finally meet him and uh and his wife in person. So it was awesome. Good. So um so yeah, so Ed, for those that don't know, is is someone who is a uh, seasoned guitarist. You've been playing guitar since one. Uh, about 14 or 15. Okay. So, so two or three years now. Yeah. Of course, you know, there've been years where I played a lot more than others. Right. Uh, during my, I guess, beginning career, you know, late twenties, thirties, I didn't play as much. Right. And in the forties, I went because they've got all kinds of new tools you can use on the computer. Yeah. And now I'm using this thing called an iRig. Okay. And you can plug your guitar into one side, and then the other has a USB jack that goes into your computer. Okay. Uh, or you can use another audio interface. Mm -hmm. And it comes with a software called Amplitude. Okay. Yeah. And you have a whole music store worth of, you know, amps and pedals, all kinds of, uh, microphones and speakers. I mean, you can customize everything. And uh, since then, I got that when I was about 44 or five. I've been okay. like a teenager again, sitting in my room, you know, <laughs> playing guitar all these last 10 years. And what right. I can do is pull up iTunes and then I can craft sounds in that amplitude that match the different records I play and save those profiles. Wow. Okay. So you know, I, I get to play with Megadeth and Metallica all week long here on my computer <laughs> in my office. Right. And I can do it all through the headphones, so it mm -hmm. sounds like I'm on stage playing with them. It's fun. It's right. be. Yeah. <laughs> is, is is there is there ever an instance where you get carried away and you just for, you lose yourself and shit oh, yeah. starts flying while while you're playing? <laughs> just getting oh, so yeah. And I can easily stay up till uh, three in the morning. Jamming along to all my songs, yeah. That's that's happened to me a few times. Uh, I mean, similar situation. You know, I'm more of a drummer, but I have, you know, guitars behind me, actually. Um, hopefully, when I'm finally done setting up all the furniture, you guys will be checking that out more frequently. Yeah, but, we'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a similar deal where... You know, sometimes you just get inspired and, uh, you know, I play in a Misfits tribute band. So from time to time, it's like, all right, I got to practice anyway. I'm Jones in the play. So, yeah. you know, just start running through a set, work up a sweat. And then before you know it, I'm like, wow, I was mm -hmm. playing for like, you know, 90 minutes there. So Yeah. Another great thing, too, is you've heard of the Ultimate Guitar website. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh before they went to a monthly prescription or prescription subscription. Yeah. I was able to get a lifetime membership for like 80 bucks, maybe oh, 10 wow. years ago. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, I can pull up those tabs on the computer and while that's playing, you know, I've got that guitar software that's up and running so I can do all of that through my headphones. And, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, I, what I said, that's been 80 bucks, you know, 10 years ago. Right, a lot of money and you know weekly lessons throughout the years. Yeah, you yeah. your computer. Do, do you use Guitar Pro with uh, in conjunction with um, with that site? 
No, okay. I, I, I guess the main site that I use is called Tab Pro. Okay. It's a part of the Ultimate Guitar site. And okay. on that site, they have like Guitar Pro tabs. They have different kinds of tabs that you can use. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they got, you know, the Ultimate Guitar team, they do a great job creating a lot of official tabs too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, songs like Holy Wars and other, you know, tunes that everybody likes to play, they've got that down uh, pretty spot on. So, so here's an interesting thing to ask you. Um, I just found out about this software about two months ago. Dave McLean, who was the drummer in Machine Head, and uh, he's now in Sacred Reich, or back in Sacred Reich, actually. So for a few months there, he was doing covers where he was removing the drum parts altogether from songs. He's using software called, uh, um, hey, well, the spelling is Moses in Spanish, M-O-I-S-E-S. Um, and this software, I have it on my iPhone, but I haven't really had time to play around with it yet. But apparently... You can pay a monthly subscription or you can pay by song where you say, okay, I want to learn Holy War, but I want to remove the guitar track so I can record my own version with me playing the guitar tracks instead. And this software will go ahead and do that. It'll remove whatever it is that you want from a track for you. And then you can go ahead and record the, the, the part over it. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. 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 As we were mentioning this, I'm like, wow, you know, Ed will probably probably be something that he would enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what was the, in your opinion, the band that, or the song that made you say, Hey, I, I got to pick up the guitar. Cause I mean, we've talked about Dio and Vivian Campbell plenty yeah. of how that's fueled you, but was there something predating that? Oh Yes. Uh, Kiss, of course, mm-hmm. uh, going back to when I was seven years old, I had a friend down the street. I'd go to his house and he had Kiss Alive 2 and he would play the uh, side with uh, Shock Me on there. And okay. that was my first exposure to Kiss and, of course, Love Shock Me and the guitar solo. And uh, I was really obsessed with Gene Simmons, even though he was the bass player. Right. You know, when I'm seven, it didn't make a difference to me. But, you know, his character just was, uh, you know, really cool and uh, loved all the blood and the fire and mm-hmm. started collecting kiss cards and different things that my dad ended up throwing away later on when he found them. <laughs> right. And uh, other than that, uh, my big guitar hero is Angus Young. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I spent so many hours, you know, in my bedroom. Uh, any chance that I got, like when my parents left the house and I'd be there by myself, or I also had a bedroom on the other end of the house. So that made it easier for me to listen to things, too. Mm-hmm. Another thing, too, was that my parents still let me listen to Christian rock. And, right. you know, there was some several hard rock bands that I had. So, you know, they had to, decipher <laughs> what they were hearing coming from my room. Right. And so I was able to get away with listening to some secular stuff along the way. And they would bust me here and there. Like if they heard the bell, the hell's bells, they come in and take <laughs> my tape away. And 
throw it away, that kind of thing. And then I'd mow the yard next weekend and go out and buy another copy and sneak it back into the house, you know? <laughs> so I, I was still, even though it was hard for me to do it at home, uh, I had my ways, you know, and right. just Angus Young was just the, the craziest, greatest rock star in the world. I think he still is too. Mm-hmm. That's my, my favorite rock band of all time. Right. Now, did your parents ever get any more lenient with that, with the music? Uh, yes and no. They got lenient once the grandkids came around. You know how that goes. They, uh, right, right. All the rules seem to go out the window with the yeah, grandkids. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, hey, what's going on here? Um, my dad, though, uh, left home. My parents separated when I was 14. Okay. And uh, so that helped a lot. You know, I was able to do a whole lot more without him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mom, my mom would still bust me every once in a while. And uh, even when I was 15, you know, I, by that time, I had built up a pretty good collection of cassette tapes. Right. And uh, they even took all that music. They had my one of my youth ministers come over and they gave him all my music. And he went through all those tapes and approved what I could have back or not. And then after that, uh, he let me write him a letter making a case for why I should be able to have some other things back. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing he did let me have back was Ride the Lightning, because I was able to point out to him that they're only talking about different social issues. And there's even a biblical story on there and creeping death, you know. Right. But he wouldn't give me back the Black Sabbath or the ACDC. And... uh, you know, our, our church was, uh, that was all during the satanic panic. Yeah, yeah, era. yeah. And these uh, ministers would come to our churches and Christian schools and do these seminars and scare our parents to death about all the music we were listening to. Right. And uh, so, yeah, they just had our parents all scared. And, you know, yeah, a lot of us couldn't listen to everything that uh, was so popular back then. Yeah. What what um, denomination did you grow up? It was a Christian church, um, which is more on the uh, what they would say, uh, the legalistic side. It's a lot about what you're not supposed to do. You don't drink and smoke. And, you know, back in the 30s, it was probably you don't go to the movies. And then in the 80s, it was you don't go you don't listen to rock music, you know, (laughs) except if you're if you're in Kentucky, though, you're allowed to smoke because we're a big tobacco state. Oh, you know, okay. when we would go to church, the uh, elders would be opening the door, smoking their cigarettes and ashtrays are out front, you know. Oh, so wow. a lot of it depends on where you live too. what kind of rules you're supposed yeah, to follow. Yeah. <laughs> God wanted you to support the uh, local uh, economy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, there was always a huge battle between yeah. us kids and the, the church and our parents with that. Uh, with the music, especially if you listen to hard rock and heavy metal, Mm because back then you were judged even just for the way that you looked, not just, you know, if you looked a certain way, you grew your hair, had the jean jacket on and the band memorabilia, that automatically meant that you were doing drugs and you're dabbling in Satanism. Right. And and the whole world looked at you like that. I mean, you could just see it in their faces Mm -hmm. when you uh, walk around town, the way people look at you. Things are way different now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, um, I remember having a conversation with my mother 
And I remember friends of mine, I think in our church, I mean, we grew up Roman Catholic. Um, Our priests never really did anything about that. But I remember friends who, you know, they came back in freshman year of high school. Look, this is a list of bands that we're not supposed to listen to. Like what? Iron Maiden? Are you kidding me? I'm like Moonchild right there. They talk about how suicide isn't good, how you'll be damned if you kill yourself. I'm like, yeah. see, they're, they're taking that from the Bible. Um, yeah. So, so you know, there, there was a, a bunch of things like that. I remember my mother telling me, because, of course, the whole satanic panic thing, you know, Oprah or whatever show was, was talking about it. And, mm-hmm. Do you listen to Black Sabbath? <laughs> no, I listened to Ozzy Osbourne. He used to be in Black Sabbath. You know, at that time, it was yeah. all about Ozzy. You know, I didn't have any yeah. Sabbath albums. I knew like Paranoid and Iron Man, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then later on, as as time went by, you know, it's funny, my mother being here now, we were talking something about the Osbournes. And, and you know, of course, because all of that has evolved and how they're figures in pop culture – so she knows who, you know, uh, Ozzy is and all the kids and this and that. And, you know, we've had discussions about mm-hmm. Jack having MS, uh, Ozzy having, you know, um, or, you know, uh, Alzheimer's creeping in, um, mm-hmm. Aaron this and uh, Kelly being pregnant and stuff like that. So it's it's just so weird, you know, all these years yeah. later, 40 years later, of course, that, you know, something that at one point was. Oh no, you shouldn't be listening to this because so and so is saying on on TV that it's bad. Yeah. To, Everybody twists it all and gives the uh wrong impression. Right. Uh, based on in their fears, like suicide solution. You remember they were trying to sue Ozzy for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's a song that's against alcoholism and remembering right. um Bon Scott, I think, is right. who we was yeah, remembering yeah, yeah. and writing that song. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a song that's um, revealing the realities of alcoholism and what it can do to you and the slow death that you you can uh, suffer through yeah. alcoholism. And, and, and there's uh, there's a bunch of those because there's Prowler by or uh, not Prowler. Um, uh, the ACDC song that uh, Richard Ramirez used. Um, Night Prowler. Night Prowler, okay. The last song on Highway to Hell, 1979. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, uh, what was the priest song where the kids uh, shot themselves and the parents said that, you yeah. know, that it was that. You better you bet. Is that right? No. That's that's the who. I can't yeah. remember what that song was. I, w- I want to think, um, I don't think it was Rob. Stay in class or. Yeah, it's off Stained class. So it may actually be the song Stained Class, where they said that in the middle it said shoot, 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 shoot. Which is that whole trial then spawned the um the track Touch of Evil because they were, you know, they they talked about how you know the ministers had convinced the parents that it was the work of the devil and that, you know, that pre- mm-hmm. the priests were the left hand of you know, Satan, and you know, we've. I think we've all seen that through throughout the years. You obviously more than I have, but you know, with Kiss and with this and with that, and you know, 
oh, they're saying Kiss is bad. And I would tell my parents, I'm like, you know, we've listened to Kiss since I was four years old. I'm like, where, <laughs> where have you heard in any Kiss song that they talk about the devil or anything like that? I mean, they, uh, my parents heard Destroyer and Alive 2 so much that they knew the lyrics to all the songs. So. <laughs> I think it's the better by you, better than me. Okay. Song. There's some lyrics in there that they took him the court over. Yeah. Okay. But, and then years later, Col Columbine was Marilyn Manson. Uh, yeah. That was his fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it, it kills me because they always talk about how, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's, what were they watching? What were they, you know, I always think of uh, Chris Rock does a skit. What were they watching? What were they listening to? And he says, what was Hitler listening to to make him do what he did? You know, yeah. he goes, well, do we blame Mozart and, Bra and uh, Beethoven yeah. all of a sudden? Because that's what his favorite acts were, you know? Yeah, that's it, silly. No accountability. I mean, you, you look at, and I don't want to get political with this stuff, but a lot of this stuff, a lot of these kids, you know, they, they come from environments where there wasn't a whole lot going at home. You know, mm -hmm. not, not a lot of supervision, not a lot of things that were taking place. And I don't know. Do you, do you think that you give your kids enough space so that they could be putting pipe bombs together in the garage? You know, I, I don't know. That's, yeah. That might be a little too much. You know, that's kind of a head scratcher to me um, where the music's to blame, but the parents aren't, you know, it kind of yeah. doesn't make and a lot of sense. Every time you try to keep it from, kids that just makes them want to do it all the more just like right. it did with me they never stopped me right from listening to it they just you know made the problem worse yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, but that also made it more exciting for us yep um that is one aspect to it that's kind of cool um you know since it was so forbidden yeah right. that could make it twice as exciting to enjoy I yeah, I agree. I always say this because uh, it seems as if the danger has really been stripped away from rock and from metal yeah. music. Because and I actually miss that. Right. But a lot of it also is our fault because my yeah. kids are growing up listening to this music. So it's mm -hmm. all right. It's mom and dad's music. You know, right. as, as extreme as it may be, if you if you're growing up listening to Slayer, you know, yeah. by the time you're in a rebellious state as a teenager, uh -huh. it really isn't all that rebellious and, and out there because your parents have been listening to it, you know, That's the right. same way as so someone else's parents may have been listening to Sinatra or Perry Cuomo or, or Willie Nelson, you know? You're right. My music was always much crazier than my daughter's, anything that she ever liked. Right. She used to call my music dinosaur music because of all the growling. <laughs> there you go yeah yeah that's that that's my kids now uh, well, i think it's better you know instead of trying to forbid your kids right. from all of that stuff to just have the conversations if you think something they're into is uh concerning then have that conversation yeah. with them why you think it's concerning mm -hmm. um you know, show them that respect to have that conversation. Right. 
um, where you're helping them, guiding them and making that right decision. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I love to for any kid to grow up enjoying heavy metal, uh, but I may not, you know, hand over my Slayer records for them to listen to until they're of an age where they can process some of those subjects. Right. right, right. Um, you know, when you listen to Angel of Death and start learning about the Holocaust, mm -hmm. especially today when you may not be taught that in school, mm -hmm. uh, for a kid to hear that story for the first time and learn that that was real, uh, that can be quite traumatic and shocking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, w especially when it comes to metal, there are some, uh, there is some wisdom to use and how you uh, introduce that stuff to a kid over the years. So, yeah. Uh, but when you forbid it from them, then they're just going to, they're going to want it more, want it all and all the more. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. In my household, I haven't, I mean, they have access to more or less all the music that that I listen to. Uh, somehow, my youngest son is gravitated towards Limp Biscuit at the moment, and oh, uh, <laughs> and Corn uh, and stuff like that. But I mean, I've they've heard me or my wife play Corn from time to time, so I mean, not you know, not a big deal. And I mean, I'm I haven't said to them, oh no, don't listen to this because what you're saying, the more I say don't listen to it, the more they're gonna want to listen to That's it. That's right, yeah. And my oldest son, um, he tells me, ah, I don't like any of the stuff he listens to. And uh, and I will say to him, you know, what's your favorite band? He says to me, I think my favorite band is Anthrax. Um All right. and I said, Okay, well, how did you come across that? He goes, you know. I really like the song AIR. I really like, you know, this album. I like this other album. You know, I've been listening to it in my headphones. And and uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, but I also really like Weird Al Yankovic. So, and I said, oh, <laughs> no problem. You know, you like what you like. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to tell you, you know, what to listen to and what not to listen to. Because, I mean, none of the stuff that with my youngest, he hasn't, you know, gotten to the point where he understands a lot of like Limp Bizkit's lyrics. Yeah. To, for it to cause any damage. Now, when, right. when he gets to be 13, 14 years old and realizes that a lot of that is sexually charged, then that's yeah. a different story. Then, then at that point, yeah, yeah, I, we have to have that conversation. But no different than me as a four year old listening to Kiss and then mm -hmm. realizing that calling Dr. Love isn't really, or shock me, isn't yeah. really about, you know, um, having a doctor uh, check you out or, or, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, Ace was shocked, but it was the lyrics are kind of going in a different direction, but you know. Yeah. Well, and pretty much every ACDC song is just that. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So there's f famous quote, Malcolm Young. I remember in the, in the nineties said, uh, you guys can like REM all you like. I, I like REM myself. He said, but at the end of the night, when you're getting cozy with with your woman, you're not listening to REM. You're listening to ACDC. So that's right. You sure are. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I posted a list of stuff that was coming out today. You said you wanted to um, check it out and see if there's anything that kind of rung a bell to you. Stuff that you might want to check out. Yeah, the one thing I'm going to check out is Exhumed. Right. You know um, that's. That's something that I wanted to check out too. And I completely forgot that they sent me really? the, uh, the promo last week. Yeah. 
So you like them? Oh yeah, there's there's stuff by them that I that I enjoy. Yeah. There's a record that I've been listening to over and over for several years now that they release. And I my my Kentucky tongue is going to have a hard time saying this. Uh Necrocracy. Uh-huh. Have you heard that one from 2013? Um I may have. If you haven't listened to that record and you like this band. You need to spin that one. Okay. Uh, good. It's like a four or five star metal record. Okay. Tons of groovy, heavy riffs throughout that whole record. Mm-hmm. So anyway, since then I've been checking them out. Um, their disc, their earlier discography is more death metal. Okay. Um, their new stuff just gets you know heavier, but the sound kind of grows. Um, looks like the last thing they put out was in 2019. So yeah, it's time for a new record. I'll be, uh, excited to hear this one for yeah. sure. The other ones on the list, I don't really see anything. Mm-hmm. I know that you're going to be checking out the striper. <laughs> on the battle. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I just know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I, there's the one video that I posted where my, uh, Michael Sweet comes in and hits a high note like 10 seconds in. And I said, nope. <laughs> Bailed right there. Couldn't do it. Queens of the Stone Age is doing a reissue. Yeah, that's the only one that they haven't reissued is the first one. I have all the other ones, so I'll probably try to get that to complete the uh, the collection. They're they're reissuing that, and then they're reissuing two of their latter albums, which I already have on on vinyl. I have both of those on 180 grams, so it's kind of there's really no reason for me to get the reissues of that because um, I bought one of those this year too on the 180 vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what's the one with the red cover. Uh, Songs for the deaf. Yeah, that's the one I got. Yeah, that's pro- probably their most uh, known album and possibly their most complete album. I mean, that that's classic after classic on that. Uh, I really like the last two albums that they've released as well. I know that they're not held in the same esteem and Mm -hmm. they, I would say that uh, the last two, they've kind of experimented a little more like the last album I think is the one where they have, um, uh, Mick Ronson's son, who's known for producing, you know, Amy Winehouse and Adele and stuff like that. And yeah. so he's, he's more of a pop producer, but he can play his dad's stuff like perfectly. Like I've seen yeah. him in videos like playing old Mata Hoople and Bowie stuff and he's playing it note for note. So the, the cool thing with that, the last album is Villains, I believe. It's kind of a mix where you have, you know, Queens has a few different things going on. They've got that like almost like a boogie or swagger, like a ZZ top could have, but then at mm-hmm. the same time, a lot of like odd time signatures. Yeah. Um, Mark Ronson is his name. So then Mark Ronson is bringing in like more of a, almost like a danceability to some of this stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a cool mixture. So I, I can appreciate that, but songs for the deaf. You've got Dave Grohl on the drums there. 
You've mm-hmm. got uh, Nick Oliveri still in the band. They're still raw and hungry. I mean, that's the yeah. album that really broke them. And there's just a, so much good stuff on that yeah. album. It's you know, like, this time of year always gets me in the mood for listening to old alternative rock and grunge bands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about the fall weather that kind of gets me in that uh, Nirvana, Pixies, Sonic Youth. Right. I like that Queens of the Stone Age record, even that, though that came out a little bit later. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, all of that old alternative music is always good autumn soundtrack, you know? No. Along I, with the uh, Fast Way. <laughs> Remember the, the Trick or Treat? We got that. Yeah. Now, I listen to that every week. And I've also, I started, I took a little break from the Megadeth. But I'm listening to that one again okay. all week long. I'm a little ticked off, though, because um, to buy this on vinyl, you have to spend at least $50, $60. And uh, you don't get the two bonus tracks, even though they put it on, I think uh, it's got four vinyl records mm-hmm. in there. So you have to put on four different records to listen to the whole album. Right. And uh, so I got the CD because of the cost and they don't even have the bonus tracks on that. You can only listen to them, I guess, on iTunes unless you can find a Japanese copy. I don't know why the Japanese always get the bonus tracks. What's wrong with giving us the bonus tracks, too? Yeah, well, uh, the the thing is with the Japanese, they've always gotten bonus tracks because the CDs cost like two to three times more than in the States and in Europe. Yeah, because they have to import them all. So they cost a lot more. And as a result, they get more tracks to kind of make up for for the additional cost. I mean, it's it's still kind of um, strange mathematics, you know, because it's all right. We'll give you an extra track, but we're going to charge you 20 bucks extra for the CD for that one track. Yeah. So I wish they would at least make, uh, you know, just give it to me on a one black record. You know, I'd pay up to 30 bucks for that or something, but gosh, $60. And then you have to do all that work to listen to it too. Yeah. It's but funny. Not. I always, I always think back to the turntables that we had as kids where you could kind of stack them all. Like yeah. Top fall and one at a time. Yeah. They would drop down one at a time. Um, it, it's funny to me that how that's really disappeared, how all the turntables that you have are like DJ turntables that mm-hmm. were only, throw one one album on at a time yeah but, um yeah like you're saying there's so many albums there there's um death magnetic i think is six vinyls because it's all it's it's at 45 wow. speed yeah so it's every side is one or two tracks that's it because it's all set at 45 wow. Now, the one I have is not like that. Right. I, I don't think. I think mine's just on one. No, actually, mine's two. Two, okay. So, so how I, many? You said it's two per side on the one that you have? Yes. Wow. That's crazy. It's it's a limited edition uh, 45 version of the album. So instead okay. of having that cover, it has a black cover. Yeah. And then the... Um, if I remember correctly, 
the letters are like in um in like metallic lettering. So it has like just the Metallica logo and it says Death Magnetic. And mm-hmm. it has like the two like magnets underneath type of yeah. thing. And the red and it's all black. Okay. Now I do I have Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets on the 45 speed. Okay. Those are only on two discs, too. Yeah, okay. Um and then I have vulgar display of power like that as well. Um, I don't really know <laughs> how how uh, much better it makes the music sound. You know, when you get on, it's interesting you get on the audiophile Facebook groups and listen to them argue about what really is right. better or not. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool to have. Yeah, you know, that's, That's interesting as well, because I say this to a lot of people. I don't have a very expensive turntable. If I had more money, I would get a better turntable. But to a lot of people that will say, hey, you know, that's, you know, that costs around a hundred bucks. Does it sound good? Mm -hmm. And I'll say, well, I go, what did you grow up listening to? Because I'm sure it wasn't some hi-fi, like out of the ordinary, like, you know, audio file turntable. So I'm like, you know, yeah, it's not the best, but it sounds better than what I was, you know, accustomed Mm -hmm. to listening to as a kid. Uh, I've owned two albums that, I mean, I could definitely notice, but because, but because they mix them differently. One is Black Sabbath's Dehumanizer, which in 09 or 2015, I forget when it was. Iomi went into the studio and turned all of Vinnie Apice's drums down. So mm-hmm. instead of having that crushing heavy drum sound to the album, all that's yeah. neutered. So it kind of, I've listened to that once and I said, okay, this is heartbreaking. You know, one of the reasons why I love the sound of this album is because of the sound of those drums, you take it away and the album just, it sounds okay to me. It doesn't yeah. sound straight. As, as I've known for it to sound like. And then there's Creatures of the Night. When they re-released it, they remixed it. Mm-hmm. And they changed it. They had uh, Bruce Kulick on the cover instead. They had them all with makeup or without makeup. It was them on like the roof of a building. And then they switched the order up of the songs. And it was the same thing. They turned all the drums down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this isn't Creatures of the Night. You know, yeah, okay, it's the same songs. But it loses that like aggressive edge to it without the yeah. without the drumming on it. Yeah, it does. So, um, yeah, I I do I mean I get I get what Kiss did at the time because that album wasn't a big seller at the time, mm-hmm. so they tried to, I guess, you know. Um, Try to mix it so it sounded like something in the late 80s as opposed to, you know, what we all came to love from it. And it didn't work because yeah. when they reissued it, it was back to the original. It was back mm-hmm. to, you know, that stuff. I'm I'm interested to hear what the, the new mixes are going to sound um, for that. I know they're doing an, uh, an Atmos version of it. So I want to hear that. Yeah, that should be interesting. Now, I collected all the 2014 releases on the okay. 180 gram. Yeah. So, yeah. what 
What mix is that, Creatures of the Night? Do you know? The one? That I, yeah, I believe that that's closer to what they did with the, um, the CD release. Uh, yeah. That was that was done at the beginning of the 2000s where they they went ahead. And I mean, Creatures is the album that you notice it the most on because of that, because of the drum sound. There's yeah. some of the others where, you know, I got Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over. And yeah, OK, they sound good, but mm-hmm. they still sound close to like the, the previous vinyl mix and the previous CD releases. Yeah. It wasn't that big of an. Of, of an upgrade. Now, if you listen to, for example, Destroyer Resurrected, which to me is my favorite version of that, more so than what they released last year, mm-hmm. I just think Bob Ezrin did a great job in like really accentuating that album and bringing out things that, you know, the technology wasn't there in the 70s to make yeah. certain frequencies or certain ranges really pop and stick out. You're so, giving me a reason to buy that. I haven't bought that, not really knowing what the difference would be, but hearing you commentate on it, I think I am going to get that. It's it's on iTunes, so you can check it out. Um, yeah. th- there is a no- to me, there's a noticeable difference with with what he did, and much like you know, initially when I got it, it was one of these things. I'm like, why do I need this? You know, I've listened to Destroyer mm-hmm. so many times, I'm kind of sick of it. Um, why do I need to buy this? You know, is it a collection thing? All right. Let me, let me listen to it first. I listened to the digital version of it. I'm like, wow, this sounds good. I found the CD for like five bucks, like two years after it was, they released the resurrected version. And after getting the CD, I was like, I need this on vinyl. So I, I waited until I found it for about 20 bucks and got it for that. You know, nice. And I've been very happy. I mean, to me, it's what I like the, the most. I mean, it's the variation I like the most. With um, with what they released last year, they kind of went back to the original mix. You know, had they have yeah had had they have included both, I think that that would have been cool. But they mm-hmm. kind of disregarded what Ezrin did a few years prior. And I don't know. I'm not a big fan of of bands just giving us bootlegs that have been out in the market for so long. I mean, that to me, like priest did that with British steel. It was like, really? Like I can find the show on YouTube. It's been on YouTube for years. You know, there's, there's nothing special about this. Guns N' Roses is doing that now with uh, the use your illusions. They, um, the, the headline is with 62 unreleased songs. And then you look at the track listings, like the only thing that's unreleased are, are, are three shows that they did. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're really getting, you know, something where you're at least with Kiss and Creatures, you're getting variations of songs, demos of things that were never released. Are they yeah. things that I'm going to be listening to all the time? Probably not. But initially with the novelty, you know, it'll be something that, I, that I'll spin a lot. I remember getting the box set and hearing the original demo of like calling Dr. Love or stuff like that, which was so radically mm-hmm. different that, that, you know, I, I played it a lot. There's um, not for the innocent, which was on, uh, ended up on um, lick it up. Mm-hmm. The original, the original demo, I've got a million bootleg copies, uh, shitty bootlegs of that where yeah. it's Dean and Paul trading off Lear, um, 
vocal lines on that. And it just sounds so neat. It makes you think, why didn't they do this on the album? You yeah. know? So actually having a good quality version of that, I mean, I'm going to be like a pig and shit when that comes out. So Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I just got done reading Gene Simmons' book. Okay. Um, I read Ace Fraley's already. Right. Uh, both of them were really good. Have you read all four of those? I'm just, I, I need to um, start looking for, uh, Paul has one too, right? I know yeah. Peter does. Okay. I've read, and I'm a real shitty reader. So I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with all this stuff. I have so many books that I've started that I've never finished. Yeah. Um, I've read the Ace book. I've read the Peter book and I've read the Paul book. I've never read any Gene books. No. Um, Paul's book is very much, there's a lot of shitty things that have happened. None of them are my fault. It's everyone else's fault. You know, he pretty that much like him. buries everyone possible. Um, Ace kind of doesn't give a shit about things. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's that. Peter's book is very bitter. You know, you, you read these books I've and you really, you realize you're like, wow, they're they're really not good people, are they? You know, it's yeah. where where you're like, yeah, love the music, but hate the person type of a deal. Where, yeah, that's the way I felt about the Motley Crue book. Yeah, it's good. You know, just good. reading the way they destroyed themselves by the way they treat each other. Right. Not so much Mick. I mean, Mick had some of his issues too, but it's mostly the other three guys. Right. Yeah, it's 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 just sad to watch them destroy themselves like that. Yeah, that's well, such a good thing. Yeah, and this this is a lot of the same. There, there's also, you know, when you have a lot of ghostwriters and they're looking for, for lack of a better term, the dirt on all this stuff. Yeah, there's there's so much shit that's made up or or things that it leaves you thinking, you know, what, did we really have to talk about this situation or did we really have to, you know, go down this road? And and sure, there's a lot of people that like some of that stuff, but to, to, to have, to have, uh, you know, them alleging certain things of one another or just saying what crappy people the others are, or, or, you know, they're all, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, spider-man meme that's out there where it's three spider-mans kind of pointing at each other it's it's yeah. it, that's them that's you know it's not my fault it's your fault type of a deal. yeah so and nikki six trying to act like he threatened and almost beat up malcolm young give me a break oh get out Malcolm of might be a short little dude but he would whoop his ass pretty easily I mean, outside, those, those outside. Dudes lived on the streets in australia and Nobody gave them shit. Nobody. Yeah. Well, first time I interviewed John Bush, I brought up um, Dave Mustaine talking about breaking uh, Gonzo, not Gonzo, um, Gonzo's brother, uh, Phil, Phil Sandoval's leg, and Tommy Lee talking about um, Joey Vera going with him on a drug run and yeah. and then driving off a cliff and and falling off of a motorcycle or something like that when 
the story actually is they were in a car. They were never near a motorcycle. You know, there's so mm-hmm. when the first time I interviewed John Bush, he said, all I'm going to say is that's an interesting take on things that never happened. So yeah. that's the way I felt over and over reading that Motley Crue book. Yeah. Just saying there's no way this happened. This is, this there, is, there's, made up. yeah, there's people that, Grew up in that area. Well, Brad, who I had, uh, I showed a picture of earlier where I met up with him today. He went to high school with my, with uh, Tommy Lee, and he talks about Tommy Lee getting his ass handed to him consistently. Um, I I know of people that um, that were there on the scene and that have told me, you know, Motley Crue have always built up their, you know, their, their Superman persona. And yeah. that most, of the, most of the stuff, you know, isn't real. Uh, I know of, of a pretty well-known drummer that after the dirt came out said, yeah, I was at that, you know, at their um, apartment mm-hmm. when all this shit was going down and that was a sausage fest. There were never girls there. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, and it also ticked me off reading how much disrespe- disrespect that Nicky had for other artists and bands. You know, he was uh, criticizing, you know, Kiss and ACDC and acting like, uh, you know, other great artists and bands had no influence on him. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't because, know. It's disappointing because, to read that kind of stuff, you know. It's yeah, just like, if you don't like him, just leave it, leave it out of there. You don't need to you know, this on everybody else's favorite bands. Yeah. Well, because, because kiss never influenced them, you know, they, they, Motley Crue didn't wear makeup. They didn't wear platform. They didn't, didn't, you know, use fire there, you know, some million things, but yeah, silly. And they kept doing it because with every wave of music that came out after that, Motley Crue was like a hard rock rolling stones. They were, they were, Mm-hmm. Hopping on that next wave to see if they could, you know, cash in some more money, whether it was electronic, uh, you know, or industrial stuff in the 90s, whether it mm-hmm. was grungy stuff in the 90s, whether it was Papa Roach in the 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. every every album you can point to, you know, oh, this was popular at that time because this is what their album sounds like. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he gives Rush a hard time as well, and it's just yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, it almost I almost quit reading the book. It kept ticking me off so bad, you know. But at the same time, you can't stop reading it because it's so awful. It's like you know that bad accident you can't not look at. But, right. Well, the the other thing too is you. What turned me off is you start to get towards the end of the book. And then you have the Oh Pamela, I love you so much chapter, and you have the Donna Dierico, how much I love you chapter. It's like Nikki and yeah. and and uh and Tommy trying to show how much one loves the wife their wife more than the other guy does. And yeah. I'm reading it and thinking, yeah, because neither one of these relationships went down in flames. So yeah. Yeah, the end of that book was especially depressing because it's it just kind of ends on a depressing note. There's no redemptive right. you know, stories to tell at all. 
and uh, and they obviously haven't changed after right. all these years. The, um, the other yeah. thing too is I read Nikki's book. I don't remember if it was before or after his first book, The Heroin Diaries. And I was I was reading that, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't personally know anyone that has used heroin that I know of. I I've never used it myself, but I've read plenty online. How the hell is he a functional heroin addict writing mm. stories day after day, whether it's in his closet or not, when people talk about how blitzed out of their mind they are that they can't function? You know, he's the only one, you know, in in the entire history of mankind that can, you know, mm-hmm. kick back and just write write a journal day after day about everything that's going on. That doesn't make Oh, yeah, that's a whole yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, and, and to me, a lot of um, Nikki's book, Dave Mustaine's book, Slash's book, there's there's a lot of commonalities between the books where mm-hmm. I think each one of them probably has a higher esteem of themselves than maybe they should. Of course, <laughs> yeah. They've all invented so many things that you think. Yeah, I don't think you were the first person to do that type of a deal. Um, yeah, everybody likes to think they started everything popular, right? And and then you think you look back and you're like, wait a second, you know, this band did that like five yeah. years before you guys did. How how are you guys? Yeah, how do you like claim the that? Books that I've read so far are Iomi's book mm-hmm. and uh, the Ozzy book the Aussie one is just freaking hilarious they right. should make a movie out of that story there's so many hilarious stories in that book that uh, they could easily make a movie out of it that would be completely entertaining and funny to watch if they found the right actors and didn't make right. it too easy like they do everything you know right yeah my two favorite stories are out of that or one the uh, the blowback story, I think, is what it's called, where uh, where where he's shaking the hand of somebody in a wheelchair, and he tells mm-hmm. Sharon that it was because um, uh, he the person in the wheelchair was having a uh, a sex act performed on them, <laughs> and uh, and and the person that was performing it, um basically did something so that they couldn't ejaculate. So (laughs) Ozzy told Sharon that instead of moving forward, it went in reverse and it did something to his spine. And that's why he was in a wheelchair. And, uh, (laughs) and Sharon went up to him and said, said, Oh, sorry to hear about your blowback or whatever it is. (laughs) And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, this happened in, you know, I was in Vietnam or something like that. I, I lost my, mobility of my legs you know over yeah. now and she was like utterly pissed at ozzy for that the the other one that i really enjoyed was when he bought a horse he bought this mm-hmm. white horse that's the one i remember that was the funniest i think in the book yeah, where yeah. he wrote, he rode into town with the cape on and everything trying to make yeah. a grand entrance at the pub and then the yeah. horse didn't stop and just kind of flew past the pub to the point where everyone came out laughing their asses off thinking, you know, what the fuck just went by. Yeah. 
And then, but he goes on to say something about uh, kind of losing control of the horse, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and trying to hang on to it as it's yes. uh, riding along. And that, yeah, when I read that story, that's when I thought, man, they need to make a movie out of this. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing is funny. Yeah. The, the Lemmy book for me, I don't know if you've read that. Um, White Line Fever, I believe it's called. No, I've only seen the documentary, but I haven't seen the book. Is it good? To me, the Lemmy book is the best one out of all of them. Yeah, I'll be getting that. Usually when I see them at the half price bookstore, that's when I right. pick them up and read those. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be getting that one. Yeah. He um because I think he's honest about a lot of things. He's you know, it isn't it also isn't where I think with some of these other books that I'm that I mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of these things where, like the Mustaine book, for example, and I think Mustaine is now portraying nowadays that it's definitely not the drugs that he's an asshole. You know, <laughs> he's he's showing that he doesn't need it, or either he's back on them, or he's just yeah. showing that he doesn't need them because it's one of these things where, oh, you know, please forgive me, it was the drugs. I've now found God, so I'm now a good person. Uh-huh. No, that doesn't excuse you from being a horrible person. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're trying to improve yourself. I, I get that. But, you know, you've never really atoned for some of the horrid shit you've done. Yeah. Um, so so there's there's and, and the other aspect, too, is that, yeah, you know, um, so I was a heroin junkie and, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. OK, sure. There's whatever. I'm not anyone to pass judgment on them. But at the same time, in certain parts, it's all really glamorized. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, where they talk about it a certain way where it, it's almost like um, where they're trying to sell it type of a deal. And and it's funny because uh, again, Nikki, supposedly a heroin addict slash uh, Dave Mustaine. I've read Andy Taylor's book. He was a guitarist in uh, Duran Duran. Also, similar, similar mm-hmm. issues. And it seems as if the, again, kind of like the mission statement of each book is similar. Like similar characteristics, similar ways how they think about themselves, similar ways how they all want. And actually, the um, uh, head from Corn is another one that I've written. So, mm-hmm. No, read. Uh, same same thing. It's it's all, you know, forgive me. You know, it was the drugs. It wasn't me. It was, you know, and I'm a brilliant person. I invented this. I did that. Thanks to me. So and so. It's like, wait a second. OK, you know, I can see that you in Motley Crue's case, you guys brought certain things to the forefront. Sure. But mm-hmm. really not doing anything new, <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff does nothing but destroy your life. It took one of my best friends a couple mm-hmm. years ago because it had the fentanyl in there. Right. And then it also took one of my cousins a couple years ago. It, it happened about the same time. And, uh, yeah, it's not something to mess with. They're, 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 trying to le- fast. they're trying to legalize it in California and Oregon now. Because Are of- they? Yeah, yeah well... Um, the argument is that if it's controlled, if you have to go to like yeah. a clinic and you're given, you know, 
dosages that aren't going to kill you, plus no fentanyl and stuff like that. Um, you're cutting down on uh, yeah. mortality. You're cutting down on rehab. You're cutting, you know, there's, it's, it's all, it's all about money. It's the insurance companies that are the ones oh, that yeah. Yeah, drive it. So. Yeah. Everything's always about the money. Absolutely. No matter what side you're on. I need the money too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We all do. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to think about it though. Absolutely. I just want to enjoy my music. You and I both, sir. <laughs> but it has to cost money. It does. So, um, uh, real quickly, uh, I did get to interview Michael Wilton from Queensryche last week or earlier this week. I should say that interview should be out soon. Uh, there will also be an interview with Tommy from Dead City Ruins, which will probably come out next week. Um, there'll be a few podcast episodes that'll be coming out in the next few days. So I've been working on the website and a lot of different things behind the scenes, uh, both podcast related and non podcast podcast related. So thank you for bearing with me, folks. Um, Ed, any, uh, parting words you want to mention before we wrap things up? Uh, yeah, I hope I don't, uh, reduce the size of your listenership being your only guest today, but <laughs> I do appreciate uh, the conversation. It was nice to talk to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about the dogs barking earlier. No, that's, that's, that's You'll fine. probably hear them often when I'm on here. <laughs> A couple of labs that bark at everything that goes by. They, they remind me of the uh, bumpus hounds in uh, Christmas story where all of a sudden out of the blue, you just hear the, the dogs start barking. So yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. Not even a chipmunk gets through our yard without them letting the whole neighborhood know about it. <laughs> well, I could, I could use them in my backyard for certain rodents that are running around as well. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, we actually had a ferret show up out of the blue ferrets are illegal here to sell uh to sell in pet shops really so yeah the black ferret out of the blue just ended up showing up in the backyard and um first thing i looked at was uh what can i feed them because they're rodents that they tend to um go mm -hmm. after that i'd like to get rid of in my backyard so mm -hmm. uh <laughs> the, the ferret was welcome <laughs> yeah that's how you do it yeah so uh, in any event, I want to thank anyone who's watching. We had two viewers uh, the entire hour. Nobody's pronounced themselves, so I'm not sure who they were. Uh, if not, thank you to anyone who's watching the replay or listening to uh, the podcast version of this. Join us on Tuesdays for trivia and join us next Friday for uh, another edition of Signals from Mars. And on that note, uh, we'll see you, folks. We'll see you next Friday. We're on, actually, Tuesday for trivia, Friday for this show. So, all right, guys. See you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Signals from Mars podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to SignalsFromMars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 